0: This is Prosper the Connection. I'm Benjamin Ha. I just wanted to apologize for the audio up front. Uh, We were having a very laggy Zoom meeting, so uh, just pretend you're on the slowest Zoom ever. This week, Tony and I are talking to Takashi Ono, our very own state representative from Hawaii. He took some time out of his very busy schedule of laying on the beach to talk to us for an hour. So yeah, we're honored to have Takashi with us. Welcome Takashi. we're so glad to have you here. Thanks for joining us.
1: I'm thrilled to be here, Uh, just as promised. I know you guys sent over the hair and makeup to get me dolled up. They arrived five minutes uh, before this, and I'm looking great. Agreed. You do look fantastic.
0: (laughs) It's the the in-between quarter glow.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, folks. I'm ready to, I'm excited to hear from you folks and connect, and see you in about a week.
0: Yeah last immersion coming up, it's it's almost surreal, right? It, I can't believe the the two years has flown by so quickly. At this point, has the program been what you expected? Like, what are the, the major things that are different from what you had thought would occur when you
2: first joined?
1: I think it's exceeded everything that I expected. I'm one of those folks who kind of want to switch careers. And I've checked so many boxes. And I think I've been able to it's know a lot of folks at some really great companies and some really smart people uh, and learn. You know, when we have those surveys that are sent out to us about like, give us feedback on the program, I'm like the worst person to fill them out because like I drank the Kool-Aid and like someone spiked my Kool-Aid. Like I, I really like the program. <laughs> so I don't have like a lot of constructive stuff to send back. Um, what's your, uh, Tony, Ben, how the 1.75 quarters been for you?
2: I'm the opposite. It's been terrible. No, I'm just kidding. I think uh, a lot the same. I've been even more pleased with the second year that we got to do stuff in person. I feel like that's that adds such a such a nice dimension to everything that we we missed out on in the first year. So
0: I was very surprised. Immersion blew me away uh, in in the the second year because we had never had it before and. I don't know, I signed up for the program thinking, okay, well, I wanted more online just because it was convenient and it was easy and I didn't, I, I, I'm not someone who's convinced that, uh, you can't do stuff remote and you can't, you can't build those relationships remote, but it's, it's a whole different level, seeing everyone in person and actually being able to, to hang out and have those conversations. So I, I know we've mentioned it before, but it's, it's a completely different experience, uh, sitting together in immersion in person versus doing the full day immersions on zoom. I I would not want to go back to that.
2: Oh,
1: completely agree.
2: Completely agree. Yeah. Those zoom marathons were brutal, especially when you're like basically doing, I mean, most of us, I imagine we're doing zoom or Microsoft teams meetings at work all week too. And then you just more of them all weekend long. It was just a marathon. I think the
0: toughest part of those was, Beyond the classes was actually the social stuff afterwards, like, especially the, the first and second immersion where you really want, uh, at least I really wanted to get to know everybody, um, but your social energy just disappears mm-hmm. from Zoom. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's like, I, I want to get to know you all and I want to play this game, but I'm not having fun.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought a lot of getting to know folks actually happened during the courses if you were up on the chat. Um, because the chat, I think is where you saw a lot of those personalities come through. I've kind of had a, like, uh, a different experience with the chats. I find that like when I'm engaged in the chat, there's just like gold. There's like some real gold nuggets, whether it's like content about the class or just like some really good one-liners from some folks, but then I don't quite get the content that's being presented to me that I'm actually paying this tuition money for, um, so uh, over the course of like you know my time here, I think I'm less and less in the chat because I want to, I want to, I want to kind of soak in what the professor is saying. What's your relationship to the chat, and how's it changed over uh, this program?
0: I agree with you, Takashi. I mean, especially in the the first couple quarters, those classes where you're you're really trying to be engaged and respond to everybody and read every single thing, and then I would say winter quarter last year and this entire year, I've just tried to ignore the chat completely because you're right. Like if I'm paying attention to the chat, I get really distracted and I'm no longer focusing on anything uh, that our professors are saying. So I, I, I end up hiding it for the most part, unless something, unless I have a really good one-liner and then, then I try to put it in there.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It's hard to resist when you have an opportunity to just throw out a one liner. I already have hard enough, a hard enough time focusing without the chat. Mm. Focusing on class. So generally, it just wind, winds up with me not focusing on either. So just having to go back and rewatch the class or something.
1: Tony, you're the guy at The Office, The Office references. Am I right?
2: Uh, I do some of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think there's a few people that do. I've watched okay. The Office maybe uh, 10 too many times. I don't know. <laughs> <clears throat> me and my wife, when we were first married, like that was kind of, not like jokingly, it was one of our not like a wedding vow, but it was like once a year while we're married, we should watch The Office together because we just both liked it so much and we just like giggle watching it. So we've watched it uh, all the way through probably eight eight times now, due for number nine soon.
0: Wow. Do you have like a tradition surrounding it now? Is there something special?
2: To- no, not really. I mean, I, like the last few times, it's more like just background noise that's on and you know, talking or, you know, doing something else. So
1: Tony, you mentioned about um, having trouble concentrating on some of the work, you know, some of the things that I really, some of the professors that I really like, um, you know, of course there's like uh, Whaley and uh, uh, Whaley and Alexis. I always appreciated how they, they come up with like fresh content every year, you know, like Whaley could easily do in the news like in an email and spend about like 30 minutes on it. But instead she probably spends like three hours, you know, getting a two minute video to to present like current information that relates to her content to us in a a consumable way. So I always appreciate that. But the point that you made about uh, having trouble paying attention, I always thought that the professors um, that I enjoyed the most made the weekly assignments seem like uh, I could kind of shoot from the hip. I could be kind of fast and loose with my answers. I'm thinking of like professors like Lance, or like even kind of Darren, where like the weekly assignments, I would sit down for 45 minutes, an hour, jam it out, just kind of like go through it and feel like this is an authentic response for me to your answer versus other courses where like I would second guess myself, look back in the textbook, like try to find the actual formula. And I actually felt that like when I kind of uh, just kind of went off like my instinct, I learned more because I would look at the answers at the end of the week. I'd have more like ownership over my responses. And then when it came to the midterm and the final, which were, you know, very carefully created, I had more mastery of the content that we received. Um, similar experiences, different.
0: I agree. Uh, something that stands out to me specifically is the, weekly or i guess bi-weekly writing assignments in business strategy uh where we had to read the article and then i don't know answer answer the case questions and there's the the word count of like a thousand words that everybody was trying to hit and it got for me it got to the point where this was one of the things where i was thoroughly reading every week and i was probably spending way too much time on it for what uh I was supposed to get out of it and I would take extensive notes to call back to parts of the reading just because I didn't really have anything to say to to uh, contribute to to the questions Uh, and so those assignments felt much more like assignments versus the I guess discussion posts or the back and forth between uh, professors or even even uh, writing messages to the the other classmates Uh, so I would say yeah something like Those those long business strategy assignments I felt like were more work than than what I would get out of them.
2: Yeah, I think in some instances, quantity is not better than quality, and that was that. I guess I'd say that's one of them. Like I would get stuff out of it, but I certainly was not even coming close to a thousand words on the word count. Like I I would just do it until I felt good and like I understood the concept. And if if that was three hundred words, I was comfortable with that. And might have not. I probably you know didn't get the best score and that's not being you know i know wasn't as diligent as i should have been but not something that i liked about you know managerial accounting with darren like his assignments were short and sweet the individual like the the group assignments if you divvied them up appropriately as a group like knock them out super quick but they were effective you learned the material that you needed to so
0: um And even his exams, there are so many of the questions that are like respond to this in three sentences or, or less. Uh, And that really makes you need to explain the concept or really understand the concept to be able to explain it so succinctly versus trying to hit a word count just seems, it brings me back to high school, right? Like, oh, I'm going to put in all the synonyms for this word. And um, I'm going to write very elaborate sentences to hit this word count. And it, it feels dis
1: disgenu- Disingenuous. Disingenuous. Yeah. Yeah. I learned from that thousand word assignment one, uh, how to write without using a single apostrophe. We are writing they are instead of there. And we are not doing any acronyms. We are spelling out the whole thing. <laughs> and that's yeah, exactly. It's like at that point. I don't know.
0: So something that's uh also interesting that you mentioned Takashi was the relevance of some of the preparations that professors had. So like Whaley's in the news, those articles were within the last six months. I don't think there was ever something older than that. Um, and same with uh, Alexis, when Alexis would find something and he would just email it to us instead of like, it would be on the spot. Like, oh, he, he found something interesting that he thought we would look at. I I felt that uh, in a class like business strategy, um, the global pandemic would have been an incredible topic to really dive into uh the the changes or the impacts of it and i was actually surprised to see that we didn't i don't i don't remember any of the case studies or any of the readings involving the impacts of covid on business
1: that's a good point um what did we do we did yeti i think yeti was the one of the cases that we did recently about that very topic but of course not in business strategy and managerial accounting
0: yeah it it just makes it more more fun right that you're actually doing stuff that feels mm-hmm. relevant and timely
2: mm-hmm. as much as i love all hospitals carpeted hospital rooms what class was that one or S- scotty mctaggart taking over that guy's business and selling his thingamajigs overseas <laughs> <laughs> that's right i'm over in europe <laughs> we yeah. one those ones <laughs> i think one was strategy i think scotty mctaggart was strategy I think that Shouldest
0: was yeah shoulders was like i thought that was an uh a finance class
2: oh was it oh yeah i wouldn't have been marketing was it no wait I don't know. oh maybe
0: it was a data class because wasn't it about like people in the waiting room
2: and yes. the
1: oh the and carpeted waiting Lambda. Room.
2: They, were, they were like specialized in taking like uh what is it Taking your appendix out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or no. No, that's not what it was. It was hernias. They specialized in hernias. Right, right. A treat. <laughs> uh, that's a pretty effective case study.
1: We, we remember it. Ben, how do you, uh, you and Tony are on the same team, right? The same small six group member team. Yep. What yeah, are your team dynamics? And I understand you, you folks have quite, uh, you know, even a social gathering uh, regularly.
0: Yeah, I would say that um, Tony and I are the cool guys. Uh, yeah, we wear cool. sunglasses to every meeting. <laughs> um, we we s- backwards baseball caps all the way and sit backwards in all the chairs. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, we've talked extensively on this podcast about how how much we love our group. And it, I, I really... It's hard to put into words just how enjoyable the program has been with the the program teams. I I hope that every other group feels the same way about their group. Uh, And specifically, you're mentioning the social gathering. So we have this tradition uh, that at the end of every quarter, we try to do something social uh, together. But because some of our group members aren't in the Seattle area, uh, it always defaults to to being an online event. So I think... In the past, we've done like the, the Jackbox games where you play them on your phone. And GeoGuessr, GeoGuessr was great, uh, where you're trying to guess your location just using like Google Street View uh, and, and any other online, uh, online Zoom accessible board games. Uh, and sometimes we, we just get on to hang out, and we were doing that, yeah, at the end of every quarter. And I think we did it once or twice over the summer too, if I remember.
2: Yeah, we got a good, a good crew. I can't imagine what it would be like to be on the same team as like Zach Vote or you know somebody I can't stand. I'd just be miserable.
0: <laughs>
2: oh yeah, I've heard many
0: many complaints
2: about
1: Zach. Zach's the worst. So, um, oh Ben, I hope I hope in post you beep out that name just to let everyone who listens to you know this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta the blank there.
0: You gotta agree with our take first, and then I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll bleep it okay. out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> What, what about you how do you how do you feel about your team dynamic have you guys revisited your team charter is is was that an important thing to your team building experience
1: i was going to mention that i mean does your team do you give a lot of credit to, uh, to greg greg bigley um is, was that our professor mm-hmm. at the start of the i mean yes or yes that was the the team building right right building
0: teams building effective right. teams that we had yeah. to two classes on i would say that uh something like the team charter assignment felt forced i don't know if we ever revisited it after submitting certainly it was really effective for us to to talk about and discuss these things uh and i'm really glad that we all or we did that at kind of the beginning of of the the mba program um but writing it down and submitting it for i guess was it even for credit did we even get a grade on it
2: yeah i think we did and to be fair i i know our team has we've always kind of joked around about it but i think our team like really from the get-go we were like we had immediate cohesion Hmm. so it was you know good in practice to go through that and i think in a lot of cases there probably aren't teams that have as much cohesion as we did. And maybe they fall back on their. I mean, if they did their charter appropriately falling back on it might actually have been pretty effective. But like I said, I mean, for us, like we haven't had like a fight, I think the, maybe the biggest, the biggest, uh, I don't even know what you'd call it. Disagreement was like me and Dave having a wrong answer. And Ben was like, no, you guys are wrong. And me and Dave stuck to our guns pretty hard for like 15 minutes. And then we were like, gave up and we're like, oh, yeah, we're dumb. You're right, Pam.
0: <laughs> I think the most important question that came out of, uh, or that came out of constructing the teen charter was understanding where each person, what each person was trying to get out of the program in terms of mm. were you more towards the I want perfect grades? Or were you more towards the, I have a certain amount of time that I'm available each week, uh, and I'm trying to get a, a lot out of the class, but the grades are not as big of a deal to me. So knowing where everybody stood on that, and for our team specifically, we all lean, I, I think we all lean more toward, we just want a good experience, the, the grades are somewhat secondary. Uh, that really helped and that made us line up to say okay well we're never going to take anything too seriously so it it never gets personal and
2: yeah we wanted to have fun and i think that came through in a lot of the group projects we've done It was like our what was it the team orientation video like we just
1: wanted to have fun like yeah so
0: what about your team takashi
1: I really enjoy them. I think also like you, I had a good experience early on. Um, I think it was like a, we did like a carousel. where We all had one on ones with each other. And I think that might have been one of the exercises where we kind of talked about what we wanted to get out of here. That was really that was really helpful. I think we've been on the same page throughout this um, experience. I'm really lucky that I have Brian Halber on my team because he's just so well versed and smart and experienced. Um, you know, in matters of business. So, you know, I great mustache. Yeah. Yep, we would go without saying the mustache. Um, I would go, uh, you know, I think that uh, my experience being around Brian has has uh made my my time here a whole lot more fruitful just because he's so willing to share his knowledge. But I'm happy that I chose the the group B, the later class. Um, of course, uh I don't know what group A is like. But I think I benefit a lot from hearing from Maya and Christina and Evan. I like everyone in Group B, and I think I learned from them chiming in. I I like everyone with the exception, obviously, of Zach Boyd. But everyone else, I think, in the program has been really willing to contribute and um, engage in Group B. I I guess I'm curious what my life would have been like if I chose Group A, Uh, but I'm very happy with the decision I made more boring but
2: better because you would have had less zach vote so (laughs) yeah
0: yeah completely i think i think the right decision would have been to choose group a knowing that we had to be with zach the entire time (laughs) Uh, i know you mentioned like whaley's class um alexis's classes if you had to pick one what was your favorite class thus far
1: I really liked Lance's class, corporate finance. And then I think he did mergers and acquisitions. I just found making those Excel tables a little puzzle. Um, I thought, you know, the way he cold called people, um, of course, kept you on edge during class. And now that I'm not in this class, I can look back and, and appreciate it. Um, and I just liked his, his teaching style. He tried to talk in the in the common denominator and i felt you know on my weekly assignments um i own my answers because they were truly mine i don't know if they were right but i didn't feel like i was going to be uh judged or nitpicked because of those answers where i where i came up a little bit short
0: was he the professor who would send out the list of cold calls before the
2: class no that was was that behavioral economics um what's his name maybe i don't think lance did I don't know. I can't remember now off the top of my head. I <laughs> thought it was funny though. I'd always be excited when my name was towards the bottom of the list. <laughs> <Ooh>. i <sighs> will not get called today. <laughs> but you're right. When Lance would cold call people, it would be, he would, I don't know how he did it. He would do it in a way where you wouldn't feel like a lot of pressure.
0: It's because he lets you pass that. That was the important part, right? He would call your name and he'd be like, Oh, like if you don't, if you don't know the answer, you can pick somebody else. Or you can say, I didn't get to it this week.
2: Yeah. And a lot of times he would just say like, Hey, 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 Ben, you getting this? Okay. How you feeling? Feeling good. Okay. Takashi, how about you? You feeling good? Like, like, yeah. Okay. He did a good job like going around the, going around the table and getting everybody engaged. Even if he wasn't asking a question, just checking on you, which is, I like that.
0: Yeah. That's a good point. There, there were very few expectations for when he called your name, except to really just to check in on you.
2: Mm -hmm. Takashi, I know you're a sports fan. You, uh are you a college basketball fan, too? You've been
1: watching the March Madness, or you just focus on your NBA? My um, bracket was busted after last weekend, and after <laughs> Gonzaga just went down, it's beyond repair. You folks? How are you feeling? I do. I don't think Ben does.
0: No, it's, it's pro or nothing for me. So uh, Unfortunately, this year, the Lakers are terrible, um, so I haven't been watching too much, but
2: yeah. I can't, I can't watch the NBA. I got, I get bored with it. They don't care. And uh, yeah, my bracket's busted too. I think everybody's is at this point.
0: Takashi, have you, did you grow up in Hawaii? Have you always lived in Hawaii?
1: I, I didn't know. Um, you know, one of the fun facts I like to say about myself is that the vast majority of my life has been spent outside of the contiguous United States. I was born and raised in Alaska. So spent my first 18 years in Alaska um had a brief stint uh you know in the northwest went to college in oregon and my family moved to seattle during that time but you know shortly after finishing up college um i did teach for america in hawaii and um gosh i've been here 13 14 13 14 years
0: yeah what's it like to live in what people think is paradise all the time like does it does it actually get old
1: You know, uh, a lot of people, right, ask me about, have I gone surfing or let's meet up in Waikiki or something like that. And I guess my, my question would be, you know, to you, Ben and Tony, when's the last time you went to Pike's Place? Or when's the last time you went to the top of the Space Needle? You know, um, yeah. So
0: maybe it's a, a yearly occurrence depending on who's visiting, but it's always a new person. Exactly. So I get that.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's when I have to, you know, and meet up with folks who are visiting in town and they're staying in Waikiki, I'll do it and I'll pay seven bucks an hour for parking and I'll pay 15 bucks for a Mai Tai, you know, uh, but if I don't have to, I probably, I'd avoid the, the tourist spots. Um, but, you know, I have a lot, I, there's no way where I could have done my job, right? My job is very geographically specific and, uh, I don't think I could have done it in another state, so I, I have a lot to be thankful for uh, for this state. Can you explain to me what
0: apple bananas are?
1: Oh, uh, well, are you saying apple comma banana or apple space banana? Because apple bananas are just an apple kind of banana.
0: are uh, I think apple space banana? Right? <laughs> Isn't that a Hawaii thing?
1: <laughs> They're like kind of smaller. They're just smaller. Bananas—they're a little more hard and uh, maybe less, less sweet. Um, yeah, I think that's—that's that's all I got. <laughs> do you, I usually just get bananas from Safeway. If that helps. Okay,
0: so so you're not a, a banana elitist. You're you're not over regular bananas.
1: I like them. I like them just. Uh, I like them like solid yellow. I could do you know between a dozen. Maybe, like, at most a dozen dots, a little brown dots, but no more than a dozen. 13, and it goes in the trash.
2: <laughs> I like mine green. Really? Yeah, I think banana, I like when they're like mostly like the, the ends are green and then like the middle's kind of yellowy. Yeah. Actually, my, my
0: roommate in college, same thing. Like, if bananas got too yellow, he just refused to eat
1: them and they would get brown and then he'd throw them out. <laughs> <laughs> So, Tony, you like the snap. The green bananas give you that snap when you open them up. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so.
2: I, I've always opened my bananas wrong, though, apparently. Because I, like, open it at the stem part instead of down, like, on the end.
0: But I think everybody growing up opens it from the stem part. And then I feel like a decade ago or probably more than that, they there is this viral news, like, I guess new sensation or viral video where it was like, Oh, monkeys open bananas from, from the little, the part from the bottom where they just squeeze the tip.
1: Uh, and then that, that's when I like everybody started doing it. I remember that 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 was a hot two seconds where that trended on buzzfeed or whatever, whatever the news <laughs> out was at the time. Yeah. I remember reading that. Takashi. I remember,
0: uh, we talked a little bit over the summer, You're about to start your internship experience of the summer, Mm -hmm. and I know you had spent quite a bit of time on your internship search throughout uh, throughout the school year. Can you can you go into those details a little bit like overall, what did you do and how did you decide that that methodical solution was the way to go?
1: Oh, yeah. I uh, worked closely with Susie initially, uh, Susie Busey. Who um, you know, plays career coach slash, you know, therapist for many people. I was meeting with her trying... very regularly, so
2: I understand that. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um and, you know, I, I knew that uh, part of my challenge was that I would be a double switcher. So not only do I want to switch industries from government to tech, but also switch roles. So, you know, from uh, government relations, politics, to uh, maybe sales. And that took me some time. But once I kind of figured that out, it was um, a challenge to try to present the work I've done previously in a way that uh, hiring managers or recruiters could understand. Um, And I got a lot of rejections. Uh, You know, I feel that sometimes because there are uh, certain failures you have in life, Like uh they kind of uh make you more grateful for the opportunities you get. Um so I'm very happy that the company took a chance on me, IBM, and I was with them last summer uh and had a really good time getting to know folks uh from around the country in different MBA programs uh, and other college students um in the same program. Uh but you know, maybe the other thing I'll mention to folks who also might think of career switching. It was almost like I was taking a whole nother four credit class on top of the three or four classes we were taking. That was just how much time I was spent looking at my resume every day, looking up job postings, working with Susie. Um, it was a it was a lot of work. Did you did you end up landing a position for
0: grad after graduation as well already?
1: I did. Yeah. IBM was. Gracious enough to ask me if I want to return after I finish up. So uh, I took it and um, I'm happy to go there. You know, I, of course, throughout my resume other places. Uh, I know that um, people who come on this podcast, I hear, you know, there's a foster the connection bump. Maybe I'll get a thousand LinkedIn requests after this, or I don't know who listens to this, (laughs) Satya, Sundar, you know, if you're listening, find me on LinkedIn, OHNO um but uh, we'll, we'll post liked. a link
0: to your linkedin on, on the description <laughs> don't worry
1: but uh, i did ask those folks and well their respective people and they passed uh you know they passed on me so uh again <laughs> i'm very grateful that someone gave me a chance and um i know that uh the deck was kind of stacked against uh, stacked against me most people who are in my position who want to leave office and try something else most of them go into government relations or lobbying, right? You can work, um, uh, people from uh, Airbnb and Turo and Facebook, and Microsoft, they all come out to Hawaii and they all send their folks out here to advocate for, um, maybe they want more technology in schools or they wanna have a say in the short-term rental regulation out here. Um, Like that'd be more of a common path, I think, for for someone like me, but I don't know why I want to just do something a little different and go the harder path, but I'm, I'm glad it it paid off. And, um, again, yeah, can't say it enough. Uh, just grateful. Someone gave me a shot.
2: Is that going to require a move? Are you going to have
1: to leave Hawaii? Uh, it's, uh, that's what we're planning on. You know, eventually I think it'll be a fully in-person role. Um, since I don't start till after graduation, uh, I think the, the requirements for in-person aren't quite set and Mm. if uh if it's you know if it's like uh, our program here where it's once a quarter then maybe I can slow roll that move but um if not I think I'll have to have to relocate and that's something that um you know me and my family are uh, prepared for and um have serious talks about
2: that's tough leaving Hawaii I don't think I would (laughs) yeah I'm in the category of career changing so, so i've gone through that same struggle i was talking to somebody today like 15 iterations ago i was looking at my resume and i was like hey you know pretty good right now and i don't know like now i look at mine and i'm like man that resume was trash so i'm wondering if like in a month from now and i'm on like iteration 67 like am i gonna think the one that i have now that i've been sending out to people is garbage so
0: I think I've felt that way at every time that I've ever like applied for a job. I'll always go back and refresh the resume and be like, why did I have this on there? Or why did I write this this way? I'm, I guess I'm happy about the fact that every new resume is always better than the last one, hopefully always progressing, but yeah, it, it's funny that you mentioned that.
2: Yeah. So I'm still hunting. So anybody that's hiring, it's uh, Tony with an O.
1: <laughs> <laughs> find, uh, find him on linkedin that's right find uh, me on the linkedin that's right for the you know when they see my name on this podcast i'm sure we'll get uh, tens of tens of listeners but you might find someone in there tony
2: we got a listener in, in germany is that
1: right that,
0: that pops up in the metrics so we always assume that it's it's a vpn but there might be some german international uh, citizen VPN. who absolutely loves our podcast. So shout out to that person.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know how in German? I don't know. Maybe that's goodbye.
1: <laughs> Tony, how, um, when you're on this job hunt, it can take a lot of mental, you know, it's not just typing away, but there's a lot of emotion because it's you, you know, uh, when you get, rejected people you might question like what's wrong with me have you gone through that and what's what's your response yeah
2: I've been rejected well I mean so far every time I've applied for anything I've been rejected so (laughs) I haven't gotten an offer yet um yeah one of the tougher things is like when I see a job listing and I get like really excited about it and think it sounds really fun and cool and then you know go through the entire process uh and, and not working out or i think maybe even worse it's just not hearing anything back like applying and like you you go on the 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 company's portal and check to see like how did they deny it and just not send an email and it's just it's like they're under consideration like a month later and you're just like well i know nothing's going to happen but you know at least you know shoot me down or send me one of those emails we thank you for your time and consideration and applying like but uh yeah it is like you said it is a full-time you know it's an extra course on the course load of getting on LinkedIn polishing that writing your resume cover letters and meeting with Adele or Susie and um you know, the other thing, like networking, man, not my favorite thing. Writing out cheesy notes and emails to people. Hmm. But uh, hopefully it'll pay off.
0: Have either of you been attending any of the, the, the career events that have been hosted, or I guess, over the past two years at this point? Um, and if, if you have, is there one that stands out that you think the program should either... Uh, repeat every year or you would just recommend
2: I attended two that really stuck out to me one was a resume workshop with Adele and it was awesome like it totally shifted the way that I was looking at a resume and using a resume Um, and then another one was uh, they had a gentleman on that went over casing for consulting positions Um, so it was interesting to hear uh, his approach to uh, doing casing uh, and the prep work behind it.
0: Casing, like answering case questions for those interviews. Is that...
2: Yeah. Cause they, their, their interviews typically revolve around, you know, some brief case and you have to present how you would resolve the issue. Um, so there's a really methodical pr- approach to it. And, you know, some of the bigger, Strictly strategy consulting firms like McKinsey or Bain or BCG, they're really, really big into it. Like if you don't nail your case, you're you're toast. You're not going to make it. Other consulting firms like the big four that have some strategy consulting, they're not as big into it. Um, They're more about their cultural fit. But yeah, I mean, it was just interesting to hear the weight that people put on that um, and how much time and energy. People put into it.
1: There was a a career event with someone who helped people interview for Amazon. And he talked about, you know, how to answer questions like situation, problem, result. I think it was STAR, there's an acronym or something like that. That was helpful. And you know, when I did have interviews, you just have to have star, you know, star after star after star after star, because they ask you a lot of questions. You've got to have a Have a response and a little anecdote for each one of those. So that was helpful. Um what's most helpful with me was Susie was just so so well connected and so willing to share that network with me. Uh I must have you know had informational interviews with at least three dozen people, you know, um in all sorts of roles. Um the ones that you know kind of uh caught my attention, I gravitated toward and talked to more and more folks. Um, who were in similar roles, which was tech sales, and you know, of those folks, I found one or two who I still keep in touch with and appreciate their candor about where my career might go. Um, I think you know, I, I I would have I would not have found them had I stopped at like you know ten or twenty. Like you just have to kind of keep going and just know it's almost like a numbers game until you find someone who really inspires you. Um, so that was really useful. Uh, and the other one, I think, Ben, uh, that you mentioned in the past, uh, the LinkedIn guys. Did you do the LinkedIn guys one? I enjoyed it. what did you like about it?
0: Yeah, the LinkedIn guys were awesome. It, so uh, I come from an engineering background, and I feel like in engineering, LinkedIn was never emphasized, or I didn't really know anybody from my undergrad who got a job through LinkedIn. And that might be Ignorance on my part. Um, but my attitude and the attitude of my friends were like, oh, well, LinkedIn is more for other people, uh, but for engineering jobs, you don't really need to do that. So jumping into the LinkedIn guys' presentation and, and realizing, oh, there's this much information that's publicly available just on a free LinkedIn account was incredible. Um, and being able to see, like, oh, you're actually, you can connect with x number of people uh, and specifically through like the foster program at all these companies uh, and being able to say oh this guy went to foster but he also worked at the company i worked at and he followed a similar transition that i would want to make things like that are accessible on linkedin and that that was pretty amazing to see like being being a complete novice at linkedin I, i just didn't know this functionality was available uh and that that kind of blew me away with, with that. And I, I think another thing was with the LinkedIn guys, they were so knowledgeable about how uh, the algorithms worked and the recommendations they made for what you should do to make your profile more visible were, were very helpful too. just the fact that they're like, oh yeah, uh, in that section where you can write about yourself, they give you 10,000 characters, so use as much as you want. Uh, and even showing the screen from the, the perspective of a recruiter and being like, oh, well, this is what a recruiter sees. So if you want to optimize your profile, uh, this is what you would want to target for a recruiter who's typing this in.
2: That's when I went back and watched after the fact. I couldn't attend it in person, but even like the recording and the slide deck going back through, they were, yeah, I mean, I made dozens of changes so it was it was really helpful
0: yeah I, I felt like just just doing just practicing the the changes to the profile started getting me views and messages from people who I would normally wouldn't I don't think I would ever have talked or chatted with in the past um, so that that felt really good to to know that changes were working. Oh, and I I do want to call back to uh, to Takashi, your point about Susie. So i I worked with Susie all throughout the, the first year. And her memory for people is incredible. Every single conversation I had with her, she was able to name at least three people off the top of her head and remember what they were doing, what the last time she had talked to them and uh, how they could help, and every time it's like, oh yeah, this is exactly what Susie remembered. She did not miss a single detail.
1: LA should run for office. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, Ben, where do you folks see uh, this podcast going in the future, other than viral? Uh... Well,
0: I'm hoping it it'll uh, eliminate the need for the NBA. Uh, I'm trying to make a lot of money from this, <laughs> and.
1: Disrupt we have, the higher education
0: yeah we have we had the one sponsor, and we need thousands upon thousands of listens before that that starts to hit the bank, but i um, I think we'll get there um probably before the end of the quarter.
2: <laughs> I'm shocked that Deb hasn't hired us full time
0: yet <laughs> So Tony and I have talked about this uh, especially each time we kind of come back to the project after. After a quarter of school, and we're we're trying to think, okay, well, what are we what are we doing with it this quarter? And I think one of the ideas we've tossed around so far is using it as sort of a living yearbook in a way. Um, so hopefully, after the MBA program is over, we'll all have more time to spend just go, getting back to our lives from hopefully pre-pandemic lives and pre-MBA lives. Um, But I'm hoping that it'll be a cool way to stay in touch with the various members of of the class. Um, I know that I think there is an alumni Slack channel, but we'll we'll lose our access to the, the class Slack channel. And so much of our communication, at least for me personally, happens in that Slack channel. So having these touch points that hopefully are the podcast, whether it's just sending an email to someone saying, hey we haven't talked since the last immersion or we haven't talked since the MBA program. How are you? And if we're able to connect and record that conversation and share it out, that'd be wonderful. Like I'd love to reconnect with you Takashi and I don't know, five, however long we we still want to be doing this and say, okay, well, last time we spoke Takashi, you were about to enter into IBM and now you run Google. So like, what was that transition like? Uh, so I think that would be a lot of fun just being able to follow up. And I, I hope that our classmates would really enjoy that too.
2: What's it like being the president of the United States and the president of Google
0: <laughs> How <did we>
2: transition.
0: <laughs> there seems to be a conflict of interest there, but we'll allow it as long as you come on our podcast again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I hope that people aren't sick of hearing from us and that, that, that would be interesting um, and we had also tossed the idea around of trying to continue this with uh, subsequent MBA class, like specifically HMBA classes, but any any class that were interested in it. And that I, I don't know how we would approach that. So that that is something that we would have to think about some more. Um, but it's certainly an idea that's on the table. Uh, and yeah, and if it's if it's not us, maybe we hand it off to another uh, pair of folks
2: who. Are, Willing to take
1: it on. Well, so many of us thank you for taking the initiative and going above and beyond to foster this connection between uh, all the all the uh, all of our class. So thanks, folks. That
2: was all, Ben.
0: I've had a blast, and I'm I'm really glad, Tony, that you decided to join because I don't I don't know. I, I feel like if you hadn't been there to be excited about it, this may have never gotten. Off the ground, even. I'm glad, uh, and 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 even Takashi, I know. Uh, over the summer, we had talked about. I had told you about this idea at one point, and you were very encouraging then. And that that response and that reaction was part of the push that got me to say, "Okay, well, I should just do it instead of just thinking
2: about doing
1: it." So glad that you did. I'm so glad that you did. Yeah. I'm really happy to
2: be the Cat Man, Cat Woman to your Batman. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, who's the guy who used to sit on the couch? Like, there's Conan, and who's the guy? Is it Andy? Andy Richter. Andy okay. Richter. Okay. We'll let the audience judge who's the Conan, who's the Andy between Ben and Tony. but They're, uh, they're both
0: <laughs> hilarious. So I, I would not be ashamed I'd, to be anyone. Yeah. <laughs> are you reading or watching anything that you would want to recommend to anyone listening to this podcast?
1: Oh, great question. Uh, I am not reading anything academic i can assure you that it's spring break so that has felt uh amazing um what have i been doing okay um you know i watched the first episode of uh i think it's called winning time on hbo it's that story of the lakers um hmm. showtime entertaining uh the showtime yeah. lakers yeah yeah uh the magic johnson era lakers that's really entertaining but um Gosh! In the past past couple of years, what is gosh? I got into Dune. I watched the movie and I listened to the first couple of books. That's been a great great way to uh, you know uh, help me finish the dishes and clean up the kitchen. I feel like you, you use your
2: time more wisely than we do. Definitely. Ben watches so many. Sh- he watches twice as many shows as everyone else because he watches shows on two two times
0: speed. That that was only once. I need to defend myself here because that was only (laughs) once. And I don't, I think Netflix limits you to like 1.75. So to be fair, I could not go the full two, but I did binge Squid Game at a higher speed than the 1X because I was really into it.
2: He just couldn't watch it fast enough.
1: (laughs) Could not see the content quickly enough. I did, um, I watched that show Alexis uh, dropped, what, Station 11? Mm -hmm. That That was binge worthy. That was good. If I have to make one uh, recommendation for a show uh, that I've watched recently, it's got to be The Leftovers. It's an HBO show Ooh. that did not get a lot of fanfare. It's an
0: older but show, but it's amazing.
1: Three seasons. Uh, it's a hard shift almost every season, but uh, it, it's still, you know one of the top shows I've ever seen in my life. I think I watched it a couple of years ago.
0: Do you want to give us like a 30 second premise of the show for those who don't know what The Leftovers is?
1: Yeah, uh, it's a show, you know, I don't want to start with the event because the show is not about the event, but I will start with the event. The event is that some small percentage of the world disappears uh, at a certain point in in history. And the story is not about that. The story is about what happens afterwards and people grappling with the loss of the loss of friends and family and the questions of the universe and religion and you know as i talk about this like you might think "Oh, was is this like a documentary or something um but it's not and it's a very it's a very human show
0: it it was like a it was a rapture right that that was essentially what it was supposed to be and and yeah a certain percentage disappears yeah, The Leftovers, HBO. Uh, I think it, it came out in the, sometime between 2010 and to, then today, I guess. Um, wonderful show. I, I thought it was really good. All right. Well, we're really excited to see you, Takashi. Uh, immersion is next week. Uh, and apologies to everybody for the delay of us getting a new episode out. Uh, by the time you listen to this, we'll probably have past Immersion, but whatever. Hope to see everyone there. Um, excited, Very excited for the final immersion, a little bittersweet. Um, but yeah, we're almost there as a class. So congrats.
1: Thanks for joining us, Takashi. Thank you, everyone. This was great. Uh, full disclosure, I did um, prepare a pre-negotiation plan, and I think I just got my target. I beat my BATNA. Uh, Tony <laughs> gave me all those oranges. So uh, I think we're at a good place to end here.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Takashi. Thanks, Thank you to Takashi for joining us today, and thank you for listening. You've been listening to Prosper the Connection.